Hey guys, welcome back. This is Quartz at Heat, QuartzHeat.com. We are back for another podcast. And I just realized, we are really two days away from having basketball officially back. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready. I've been ready. I never want basketball to end in the first place after the NBA Finals, but still. And you could just be saying to yourself, why won't you watch the uh, uh, Summer League? That's really not my thing. I expressed that last time. I enjoyed the Summer League as much as, much as I enjoyed the Olympics. And that says a lot. But here's the thing. I'm just ready for basketball to begin. But news is cranking back up. Signings are happening. Trades are happening. Um, the trades are really um, surprising in a way. I'm going to break that down. It features Patrick Beverly. And if no one heard the news this morning... You will see in this free day span, because today is Tuesday, right? So from Sunday to Tuesday, if I do my math correctly, that will be a free day span at that point. We will actually see something really hysterical with Patrick Beverly. I don't think too many credible defensive players actually have to be treated like. But yeah, we also have so many more signings. Dennis Schroeder is now in talks and now back in our conversation with the Boston Celtics after he signed a one-year, about $5.9, roughly $6 million contract, right? But yeah, we got it all. But first, let's jump into social media before we break down into the next two teams that this offseason talks about. And yeah, yeah so for, for always on social media, Anywhere on the web, majority of the people listening to this podcast, if not all of them, use the internet. Like, they have some form of technology to access the internet. Without a shout out my mind, boy, man, let's think about this logically. If you're not, all of the people listening to the podcast today are using the internet. Because that's the only way you are accessing this podcast, listening to this podcast, right? So social media, websites, the internet has become a huge part of our lives. And here of course he we've noticed that for the past thirty years anybody's noticed that, right? It's just being more and more rapid in technology, the way we use it, etc. etc. That is why for fast breaking news, long, medium, short form articles, content, things like that, you can always find us at courtsideheat.com. Or if you're a medium fan and you just like using medium, we totally get you go to courtsideheat.medium.com. And then if you like to get your news on like less than 200 characters and you just like browsing social media and whatnot, go over to twitter.com slash courtsideheat, instagram.com slash courtsideheatnba, facebook.com slash courtsideheat, tombo.com slash courtsideheat, linktree.com slash courtsideheat. Linktree is a very interesting one because I have a period within the two E's, one E, something like that. It's a, it's a very complicating link. The URL, I, I don't know why they make it so complicated. You would think it would just be a basic URL, but no, they want to be different, which is really funny. So actually, if you're not going to, in all honesty, don't go to Linktree. You know what? Forget that I said Linktree unless you know how that URL works, how they spell their own website. Just don't. Just don't. Unless you're going to type in. Oh, here, here's what I recommend. 
That's why I recommend every single podcast episode. But if you like Langtree, and Langtree's pretty great. I just don't know why I have to make everything so darn complicated, right? But just go to Google, right? I don't say I'll work on Bing, but go to Google. Everybody knows how to go to Google. Just go to Google.com and then type in Quartzite Heat. Quartzite Heat's one word, Quartzite Heat, and I'll take it to the website, to our Mercari store, our regular store, our spread shop store, or if you just want to use the link down below, get it faster. You'll see our exclusive content. You'll see everything from social media, the websites, to everything. Basically what I just said a few seconds ago, right? But yeah, that is the social media. We're always post on there. Um, the past few days have been choppy, have not been consistent, and I do apologize for that. But right now, we're also trying to pump out tons of content. content. I know we've been slowing down on that because we have been, A, working on the book, but B... The website's actually getting remodeled, so it's gonna be looking entirely new, entire new website, entire new logo for the site, social media, the podcast will probably stay the same, but you get where I'm going at. But basically, we are having everything in the works, so it, there's gonna be a website. The website's gonna be down for a while. Like maybe a day or so because we're integrating a new theme. We're integrating a new system. We have so many new exciting things that's happening, but it has to take time. So if we're not, if you're not seeing things on social media coming out from 11 to 7, that's why. Or a podcast being skipped, that is why. Because we're focusing our time to make sure the website's perfect. To make sure it's more mobile friendly. To make sure that everything's in check to be and do have the right stuff, right? Because we want to make sure that on mobile and desktop... It works. It is. It works the proper way, right? That's that's pretty much important. If you want to read something, it's gonna be more important, right? It, you have to read it, right? So we want to make sure that all gets taken care of. But also, especially on the articles and what we saw, the articles we want to make sure you guys are able to see that better on desktop. But yeah, we have all these new things coming out. We have a huge new update coming, and so many more things being added and whatnot it's going to be very very interesting and i'll keep you guys post on that we should be done with all this before the 20th no later than the 22nd just to give somebody imaginary timeline if we need to do that right but yeah that's pretty much it that's pretty much it on our side we're still going hard to the hole in the book we're almost done with that then we're going to format and everything so yeah, that should be out in a, a little while. So maybe a two to three month estimate. I don't know. But again, we're talking about the Phoenix Suns. We're breaking down their history. Why it's significant. The, um, the hard times. All the trials they had to go through. The successes. The failures. Pretty much from the span of 2018 to now. Why they've risen from this deficit of like a decade of no playoffs, that horrible span, to going to a rapid fire jump of the NBA Finals, having huge success, what does that mean, and just keeping it going, but yeah, it's going to be awesome, but without further ado, let's get into 
the podcast. Let's get into the breaking news and in our huge topic that we talked about two days ago because these two teams are very, very interesting and very, very, I don't know what the right word would be, but very, very observatory in the moves that they made and how they made them and how fans should be observing them, uh, watching them, studying them, right? That's pretty much the same as observing, but you get what I'm trying to drive at. But without further ado, let's get into it. And it would not be an, it would not be a Tuesday morning if the 76ers did not come into our podcast. And we actually have a few breaking news. I seen like two breaking news of the 76ers, but the one positive that the 76ers do have is that this morning around 5 in the morning for Arizona time, right, I got the notification, but it's really 8 a.m. in Philadelphia, right, because they're working on the East Coast time. But it was it was uh, reported that the 76ers and their franchise player, Joel Embiid, has agreed to a four-year deal worth $196 million. That is a contra extension and a huge win for that franchise because they're obviously trying to build around Joel Embiid. They tried building around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons as a duo, as a passing dominant duo, right? However, that's not panning out to be the way. But they liked the, the MVP numbers, how Joel Embiid was getting more and more recognized to be MVP. But it goes more than that. Why? Because he was being so dominant at court, being so efficient, turning his numbers into wins and turn those wins into a potential playoff run right before injuries came and then you had really really bad issues coming along right uh getting into i think they got made it past the first yeah because they made it first made it past the first round uh against the wizards that it just went downhill from there but yeah joel bead Last season, MVP numbers, he averaged like around 30 points a game. He was consistent on the boards. He was that huge body that was not going to be able to be scored easily on. He was able to get rebounds, blocks. He was able to stop you in your track. He was able to have defensive breakdowns to the point to where no offensive player was just able to get around him. Whether you're Speedy Gonzalez or you're just a brick. Bill, like a break, and you'll go through a brick, right? He just stopped you, which ultimately, in my opinion, led him to getting this new contract because even with all the injuries he had, even with his first two years after getting drafted, got derailed by foot injuries and leading into surgeries, Joel Embiid turned his career into a good one because, remember, he was the first overall pick in 2014 draft, and then he got to play in 2016 after a two-year absence of injuries featuring the feet. And he had to come in surgeries. But then it was amazing. He averaged 20 points in his debut uh, season. 2017, 22 points. Roughly 23 points. 27.5 points in 2018. 2019 was 23 points. But in 2020 was... 50, uh, was 28 and a half points, but he was pretty much scoring 30 to 40 points a game, more than likely in the range of 30 to 35 per game, right? He was just dominant. 
he was dying. And even though he's not played in full seasons, um, he's not played a full season yet. The most he's played in was 64 games. 63 and 64 and 27 to 2018, right? However, with 2019 and 2020 being so scattered and being condensed, it still proved that Joel Embiid, even for all the craziness, even for all the silliness that was happening, silliness that was happening, he was still proving out there on the court through injuries and everything they could take his team to victory through any circumstance. And that's a really good deal. So even though he's not played a full 82 games, I believe he can, and I believe he will this season. With or without the playing tournament, I believe Philly's going to be good this season to make it into the playing tournament. They're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be a playoff contender, or they're going to be a playoff team officially. Now, could they win? <laughs> There's always a nice thing. Could they make it to the conference finals? Past the conference semis into the conference finals before his four-year contract's up. Maybe that's really hard to try to question now. I know when these big superstars or big franchise players get new contracts that um, you want to say how can they possibly impact the team in the playoffs like in the conference finals or even the NBA finals for that matter. However... It's tough to say right now. It's not like he's gotten this extension in the middle of the season or beginning of the season or end of the season, right? It was instead right here, which is perfect. Phil got what they wanted, so did Embiid. Now, now it's like, what can he do? I believe he could be a puff force, but does he need another player? Time will only tell because only one man can do so much. But he's also carried a load of Ben Simmons, so let's not forget. Now, with all of that being said, with all of that being said, I know we have a, here we go. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew we had a Ben Simmons uh, related breaking news piece right here. And that is where... Um, it features Damian Lillard too, the Portland Trail Blazers. Because the Blazers, with Chauncey Bellis as their head coach, is not safe from the possibility of trading their franchise superstar, who they had for over a decade now, right? So, unless Damian Lillard becomes available in the, in the trade market, Expect the 76ers to hold on to Ben Simmons for his training camp. So they're not going to budge on any offers unless it's that significant like Damian Lillard. Even if Ben Simmons decides to be a jerk and hold out of the training camp like he said and just keep on holding out till he gets his way, expect for them to just hold on to him, not do anything unless Damian Lillard comes. That's pretty much simple. There's pretty no mixed messages down there. It's pretty much saying, you know what? Fine. We don't care if you like to hold out or whatnot. We're not training you till after training camp to see what our priorities are and how everyone's shaping up in the NBA and what we can get for you because we tried all of these draft picks. We tried these crazy uh, trade offers. It didn't work. So let's regroup. Let's re-strategize everything. And I believe we can do that or more so they can do that, 
it just comes down to what can they get from and will Damian Lillard be available? Because I, I know both teams are done now. Ben Simmons cut off all communications from the 76ers because of something that he did and does not want to admit to it. And Phillies tried everything. In the years that he's played alongside Joel Embiid, right? It's just a failed, failed opportunity. And we discussed this on the last podcast episode, I believe, about Ben Simmons and how it's not Philadelphia's fault, but his fault. And he's treating it like theirs, but he's not taking any accountability. He's not taking any responsibility. He's not taking the share of blame. And that's going to cause some trouble in a man's life and a man's career, right? But, so yeah, unless Damian Lillard goes available, do not expect Philly to be jumping up and down for a trade. They're going to stay solid and they're going to stay silent until they see something that they really want to pounce on. That they really want to... Try to, that's the right word, try to go after, try to capture, try to really say, you know what, we'll give you whatever you want, we just want Damian Lillard, and it'll probably take a few first round draft picks, it'll probably take a few second round draft picks, it'll probably take a player or two, and that's pretty much what Philly was asking in exchange for Ben Simmons, but it would have to be the other way around for Philly to give up. But will they give up those many assets? Will they give up those many valuable pieces and what valuable pieces? So it's going to be very, very interesting. Very, very, like, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very, uh, I don't know what the right word would be. It, It will be something to look at because it determines what's going to happen to Ben Simmons' awful career and what's going to happen to the Philadelphia organization. It's pretty much how we're looking at it. There's no secret code. It's just like, what's going to happen to Brick Simmons and what's going to happen to Philly? That's pretty much it. I I don't know. What do you guys feel on it? Remember to hit us up on social media for anything they're talking about. Get your opinions in because if you guys um, add us, tweet us, DM us, we will actually put your comments right on the podcast, and yeah, we'll react to them, we'll talk to them, we'll even add you guys back on social media, we like to have conversations and whatnot, and this is an interesting conversation to have about Ben Simmons, because not everybody feels the same about Ben Simmons, because people can be like, well, you know what, he needs a fresh start, and could it be the possibility, there are better ways to express it, but this is where we are right now. And let's move on. You might have started a podcast about like 15 minutes ago or so where I was like, Patrick Beverly, from a three-day span from Sunday to Tuesday, it's hysterical to think that a great, credible defensive player like himself and guys around the league would get traded within a three-day span. Meaning, remember when he was traded from the Clippers to... The Memphis uh, Memphis Grizzlies for Eric Bledsoe and you have Rajon Rondo and our guy and Beverly right go be shipped over to Memphis for Eric Bledsoe. It'll be an Eric Bledsoe and Clippers reunion when the Clippers uh, drafted him. I believe in twenty ten was there twenty ten or twenty eleven, but right. And then he played his first few seasons with them. Then he went on to teams like the Suns. Bucks, Pelicans, etc., etc. 
Um, now he's one back up here. He's play alongside Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, uh, Ilan Zubak, Serge Ibaka, different guys like that. For Patrick Beverly, he wanted to come back to the LA organization. Wanted to come back to the Los Angeles franchise. However, since with him being on an expiring contract along with Rondo, Rajon Rondo, they wanted to get away from the order, guy, order guys, it seemed like, and they wanted to get a guard that was able to be a huge force for that Clippers team, that extra piece, piece to push them to that next level. And they obviously saw that in the former guard that they originally departed with many years ago. But yeah, it's crazy. So, with that backstory, the Grizzlies traded Beverly to the Timberwolves for Jared Culver and Hernan, Hernan Gomez. I believe I'm pronouncing that second name correctly. If I'm not, I do apologize. That is not my intent. But yeah, Culver and Hernan Gomez, or Hernan Gomez, was traded for Patrick Beverly. And look, this is a steal for the... Um, for the uh, Timberwolves. Here's why. Beverly averages 8 points a game. 4 rebounds a game. Jared Culver is a bust. He's not a 6 overall pick. But if we're looking at statistics. Sure they could say. Well look at Beverly. He's not any much better than Culver. By, by a few points. And by a few rebounds. Assists etc. etc. Right? You look at the other guy. Hernan, uh, Hernan Gomez. Look. Going by skill and impact on a team, Jared Culver is not panned out to be the player everyone decided was going to be. Um, it was not the sixth overall pick everyone decided was going to be, right? And it seems as if that's a tricky thing because you don't know when you're drafting these guys. I've always said college guys cannot always pan out to be NBA guys. They cannot make that good transition. A lot of college guys can't. So it's really tough when you have a college guy, you're taking a bet on him, you're taking a risk on him, and it doesn't always pan out to be that way. It doesn't always work to be that way. However, for the Timberwolves to trade Culver and Hernan Gomez, this is perfect. It actually benefits both sides in a way, and I'll get to that. But let's start with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. This is great for their young, uh, for their young developing team. Because take Anthony Edwards, he's a great offensive player. He is high, he has higher reels already just by him dunking, just by his athleticism. However, his athleticism, his higher reels do not transition into defense. And the veteran presence of Patrick Beverly will give the Timberwolves an edge because the reason why Clipper fans loved uh, Beverly so much was because of his defensive abilities was because he was able to break offensive players down, was able to play mind games, was able to get them so frustrated it will bounce them out of their element, will get them uncomfortable, will get them frustrated enough just to make bad decisions. We saw that in the Phoenix Suns uh, series especially, where Patrick Beverly was just lighting everyone up, not physically but mentally. And he would just even put his hands behind his back, um, just taunt them, mess with them, do different things just to get in their head. It worked with Devin Booker, it worked with Chris Paul, etc., etc. It worked with everyone in the league they was guarding against. And 
for him to get that, he's going to be a great mindset in the locker room defensively. He's going to be a great body. He loves physicality. He loves the mental side of the game. And he loves getting aggressive. He's one of those aggressive players. And he'll put that on a team. He'll make you guys work for it. And to me, that's a huge win for the uh, Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves president of basketball operations actually had a history with Patrick Beverly uh, when they were with the Houston Rockets. So they're reuniting, and so it's a f- it's two familiar faces. So it's not like Patrick Beverly's going to this entirely new organization without anybody to know. He knows the president of basketball operations. He knows someone within that front office. So that's also nice. That's just a random fun fact, right? But this is going to be significant. So we can make all of our jokes that we want about Patrick Beverly. But if I were the Phoenix Suns, I wish to have um, um, Patrick Beverly. If I'm any franchise, I would take Patrick Beverly in a heartbeat because he's such a great defensive player. I can't speak more highly of him because he's just so good. He's just... So good because when I see him play, and I mean this, and I said this before, not every player who has stats, um, especially for his stats, like eight free and free, right, per game, not every player transitions to be this stat stuffer. Russell Westbrook is not a great player based on stats. He's more of a passer. He's a do-it-all guy. He's an arrogant guy. He's an ego guy, egotistical guy, because he just wants every single rebound, every single assist, every single point. It's all for him, him, him. He's not a selfless guy. Patrick Beverly is. Patrick Beverly has terrible stats in some regards, right? No offense to him statistically, but when we're going past the statistics, Oh, I'm so sorry. Statistics, and we're looking beyond that, and we're looking to see how he impacts the game, impacts that team. It's pretty incredible. And stats sometimes don't do uh, do justice for these players, right? Because it goes beyond the stats, and sometimes people forget about that. So when looking at that, Patrick Beverly is way more talented than what statistics give him credit for. And we saw that when um, he lost his starting guard position against Reggie Jackson. So he had to be an all-out defense player when he got those minutes. And he just shined on that court, especially in the postseason. That was something amazing, especially against the Dallas Mavericks. The, the guards that he was going up against, the players he was going up against, they were tough, but he locked them down. That says a lot. That says a lot. And that's pretty significant. When everything is broken down. Now, was there in for the Memphis Grizzlies? This is actually great for the Grizzlies because we all knew Patrick Beverly, one of the three players that were traded to the Grizzlies, were not going to stay. Made for cap reasons, but it was also because they wanted a more younger group, a more a, like a more team of the youth. Like one of those guys, like one of those teams that just want youth over experience. And they just trade they traded Patrick Beverly for Jared Culver, who's twenty two, and Hernan Gomez, who is still in his early twenties, I believe. So by getting those two young guys, they traded out a veteran for two young guys, and that could be their mentality behind Dylan Brooks, 
John Moran, all these different guys that are there, they're like, okay, we're making some moves. You got to remember, they traded for uh, Stephen Adams, right? They didn't want to keep Eric Bledsoe due to cap and whatnot. But they got different guys. And they're trying to get this huge collection of young guys and some older guys that can help in with the veteran presence in the locker room and on court, on and off court, right? So for the Grizzlies, this is for a youth standpoint. For the Timberwolves, this is for a defensive experience um, uh, thing. So this is actually really good when it's being all broken down. So both of these teams win. Both of these teams win. I get the perspective of what the Clippers are looking at. They didn't want to re-sign Rondo and Beverly. Rondo's getting older. Um, and so is Beverly. And you just never know. You never want to sign under too many contracts. Meaning you don't want to sign under too many years. You don't be working off one-year deals because that could affect your, um, your cap space. That could affect your money a lot when you're trying to go out there and try to get other players. So I get where they're coming from. I get where they're coming from uh, full. But yeah, I, I like the move. Yeah, I like the move. Because I think it's a smart move. It's a smart move on both teams' side. So on both sides, it's a smart move. Now, talking about smart moves. Are you ready? Josh Hart. So the Pelicans, if you remember, during the whole situation with Stan Van Gundy, who didn't want to play for him, uh, the openly, publicly criticism Stags Van Gundy was getting right because of his coaching methods, because of the way he coached basketball game when he game basketball, and his outdated methods, his interesting methods, right? But moving past that, the Pelicans had a choice. The front office of that organization, that franchise, had a choice. Alonzo Ball or Josh Hart. Because they could, they potentially could have retained both but Alonzo's family, Moral Ball, who publicly said it more than Alonzo, said, we need to get our son out of there. We need to get our son out of New Orleans. Now, I'm pretty sure Alonzo never publicly said it, but I think he was always feeling it. But the Pelicans knew to still win free agency, in their mind, is still have a respectable team with uh with Zion Williamson as that projected franchise star, they need to get one of the two men. So Alonzo, he was gonna be too much money, but with Josh Hart, they were able to ink a free year $38 million contract. So they're able to get back one of their nice shooters, one of their good shooters for only twelve uh million dollars per year. Which if you think about it is not bad. And Josh Hart had an exceptional year. He really did. So despite the like despite the um, what you want like what word you want to use. Despite the lacking year the Pelicans had with Stan Van Gundy, Josh Hart still put together a nice season. It's not the best. It's not the best. He um he averaged cry numbers last season however this is his best season in assists per game in his second to best season in field goal percentage rebounds jumped by one and a half points decreased by 0.9 and his minutes were up by one now he's only able to play 47 games right i believe that was that season i don't know either way it was it, it comes to reality 
for that type of money, Josh Hart's not bad. But it's also like he needs to see the ball more. But he also needs to get more consistent in his shooting and the way he performs on the court. I guess it's easier said than done, but that's what needs to be done to be a good offensive piece. But they have him locked in. They solve something in him to say, you know what? We got this. We got this, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for Josh Hart. I believe Josh Hart can do it. And now he's making $12.6, roughly $12.6 million per year for three years. That amounts to $38 million, right? So... It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting to see how he pans out because they have a new head coach. It was the former assistant head coach of the Phoenix Suns. I forgot his name, but that's who they have now. So it's going to be very interesting to see a young head coach to see this young team perform. And if I'm the Pelicans, I would say, you know what? I believe that Josh Hart could pan out. I think that's why they gave him that three-year deal. Because it's not a lot of money. Oh, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But in the eyes of an NBA owner and an NBA front office, that's all not a lot of money to gamble with. Especially when they're trying to turn around their season. And he's an impacting player in some areas. But there's a lot of areas that he can improve on. But still, I like it. I like where they're going with this. Now... Here are the two Celtics news that can just completely, potentially turn around the organization for this next season to higher hopes than getting uh, swept against the Bucks in the first round. Was it or uh, second round? I know. Uh, what did? Oh no! Did they go four and one? I know they got swept somewhere. Or was that by the Nets? But I know they got swept. Either way, Marcus. Uh, Marcus Smart in the Boston Celtics have agreed to a four-year, $77 million extension. How significant is that? You're able to get your main point guard back for not bad money. And he's roughly making over $11, $13 million around there. But he averaged 13 points a game, three assists, and five rebounds in 48 games. That's not bad. It's not bad. He averaged career-high numbers. And you could say, well, it's 13 points a game. But now you got back your point guard, who averaged career-high in assists with five per game. But you got to remember what the Boston Celtics have and what they lost. And when you look at their players, they have Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Already, that is a... Good uh, starting free. Then you come down with Al Horford. Then you see Payne Pritchard, Robert Williams, um, and Dennis Schroeder. That's also not bad. Then you got Chris Dunn and Josh Richardson and uh, and his Cantor. Cantor. Um, to me, that's amazing. So we can look at statistics. And again, statistics sometimes do not give their... Uh, do justice to players from saying that correctly. Why? Because I believe Morris is worth um a seventy-seven million dollar contract. Um, that twelve to thirteen million dollars a year, right? I believe he is, and I'm not just saying that just to make everyone feel well about where the Celtics are. But to me, 
The Celtics did a really good job retaining Marcus Smart, their main point guard, because if he keeps dishing out five to seven assists per game, allowing Jalen Brown, Al Horford, uh, Jason Tatum, Dennis Schroeder when he's in the game, do his, do their thing, it's going to be interesting. Very, very interesting. So, with all that being said, there's pros and cons to every position. There's pros and cons to every player's career when with an organization and when you see your fellow uh, teammate get a huge contract. And now I'm not saying it's because of the money, but Marcus Smart, now since he's retained by the Boston organization, is now expected to get the start over Dennis Schroeder for the point guard position. Now, should this be shocking? No. You signed a man to a, a contract extension where he's making 12 to $13 million per year, and you only signed Schroeder to approve a contract worth one year $6 million. There's a difference. You obviously, paid, you obviously played a guy with more, uh, with more money that you gave him, the more minutes. Why? Because you ha- you value him over the one guy you signed one year six million. Because if you pay a guy seventy million versus the guy you pay ten million, you don't want to put him on the bench. You value him too much. And you paid too much for him, right? So I'm not too shocked by this move. Plus, this is a proven year for Dennis Schroeder. He's more of a bench player because of the because here's the thing: if the Celtics saw he was going to be a starter. If the Celtics thought he was going to be a with starter minutes, they wouldn't have paid Mark Small that money. But they didn't. They have a prove it contract with Schroeder in the attempt to make him a backup point guard. He'll probably see big minutes, like maybe 20 minutes per game, somewhere around there. I'm just spitballing, giving imaginary numbers. But that's where we're at right now. And to me, I'm not shocked by that. Wait, what do you guys think? Do you, would you be shocked by the statement of Marcus Smart is expected to get to start over Dennis Schroeder for the point guard position? Truth be told, no. If you pay a guy more for that position than his fellow teammate that has the same position, no, because he's not making $12 million per year. He's making $6 million on a one-year contract. So when you want to keep one of your players happy, you give them minutes in a starter position when you're paying them starter money. It just works that way. And the Celtics with Brad Stevens working in the front office saying, look, this is what we have to do. Because Brad Stevens has worked as a head coach with Marcus Smart. So saying, you know what? We'll give him a four-year, $77 million contract. They had the full intention of keeping their uh, point guard, the starting point guard, whether then should have with the team or not. That's just life. That's how it was going to go all along. So, yeah, really exciting. Really exciting. That's a, that's a nice move. Now, now, here's the final free break news, and this is something great for you cryptocurrency people. For you guys that like cryptocurrency, and I like, I actually like cryptocurrency. I actually like Dogecoin a lot. Um... We've saw Dogecoin get a huge bump in the market by Elon Musk. We've seen people I people bash on Dogecoin, calling it a meme coin, calling it not a real cryptocurrency. People estimate Bitcoin to be better than Dogecoin right now. Um, but here's the thing I do know. What I don't know what your take on 
Dogecoin is or how Elon Musk has affected that market when he, um, whether for good or for bad, whether just by a tweet or his uh, Saturday, Night, Saturday Night Live performance appearance, right? Who knows? I don't know what you guys know, but all I know is this. The Dallas Mavericks have now introduced the idea and have accepted the idea of Dogecoin as a way of paying for Maverick tickets. So if you want to see the Dallas Mavericks play, don't have cash on you, don't like using credit cards for those type of venues, boy, you can use Dogecoin. Get out your cryptocurrency wallet, pay that way. That's really interesting. To me, honestly... We've seen guys before in the sports world. It's like I want to transfer my money to Bitcoin. I can't remember. The, I can't remember the NBA's um, the NFL player's name. I think he was with the Dolphins. Don't correct me, but it was someone in the NFL, National Football League, that said I want part of my contract in Bitcoin, and they worked into the agreement, which is very smart. I believe he's a businessman, entrepreneur. But that's really smart. So now seeing that being integrated more and more by sports, that's great. I believe this is the first NBA team or sports team, the major sports leagues, having a team accepting a cryptocurrency like Dogecoin, which is very fascinating if you think about it because who would taunt, who would uh, fantasize the idea? I like the idea. I want, I want to see if you're able to do that online or if you could do that in person or both. I want to see how they do that because I think that's a new, I think that's a new exciting way to pay. It's a very unique idea and I think it's something and we know what Mark Cuban, I think, thinks about Dogecoin. I don't know if he likes or not, but he's allowing the Mavericks to allow people to pay with it. So that's going to be very interesting. But yeah, I thought everyone was going to like that because it caught my attention. I'm like, what? I read the headline of that today or yesterday or sometime. It was someday. Pretty sure it was today. I was like, really? That's actually really unique and that's, that's really cool. I did not expect a cryptocurrency to be integrated into the way we can purchase um, an NBA game or just a game in general, right? So it's pretty cool that the Mavericks are opening up to that idea. So now um, get, uh, getting on to another breaking news. This one may be still exciting. You may not be a cryptocurrency fan or you may really not know what cryptocurrency is. But this may be exciting still. And I am excited for this. Lakers Nets, Knicks Hawks, Jazz Mavericks are to be featured on Christmas Day. I know what I I know what I'm gonna be doing on Christmas Day. Whether I'm dead or alive, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be watching that. I'm not gonna watch Lakers or Nets because I have no interest in that. But Knicks Hawks, oh who remembers that series? Even though the Hawks won that series, I which I love, it was still some competitive games, especially when Trey Young put the dagger on. I was rooting for the Knicks. Because who remembers when Derrick Rose tied it up, but then Trey Young just sealed it. Oh, that was that was brutal. But it was it was really awesome. I was walking out of a restaurant and I just heard people behind me talking about it too. And all of a sudden I just screamed out Derrick Rose. 
um, yeah, it was not, yeah, it was like, it was a really emotional game, it was an intense moment, it was a throwing moment for the Hawks, and a losing moment for the New York uh, Knicks, however, um, what was I going to say, I really want to see Knicks-Hawks, out of the Lakers, Nets, the Jazz, Mavericks, I want to see Knicks-Hawks, but yeah, and whether I'm dead or alive, I'm seeing that, um, I'm not even kidding, so, I don't know if anybody knows this or not, and I've never really said this before, besides talking to family with this, but for Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, my sister and I stay up the entire night, till like 5, 6 in the morning, then we go downstairs and whatnot, and do our Christmas festivities and whatnot, our activities, right? But I get no sleep, like maybe an hour's sleep? I try not to go to sleep. So by the time 4 o'clock comes, I'm either sleeping or I'm not. Um, last Christmas, last uh, 25th of December, I stayed up the entire day. I was pretty proud of myself. I could not believe it. I was pretty, pretty impressed. Or maybe I fell asleep. It's one, so I can't remember. All I know is I'm watching that. I'm excited. I may be half, to, I may be half asleep, but I'm still watching that Knicks Hawks. But... It's still really exciting because we got some for Christmas Day. Which, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I'm pretty excited. I am pretty, pretty excited as things go. And I'm just happy that we're able to see more and more of the regular season schedule, just schedules in general. Why? Because it tells me ba- uh, basketball is going to be on soon. Now, one you know something interesting. This goes with Christmas Day. That the Bucks, Nets, Lakers, Warriors are set to open NBA's regular season on October nineteenth, which is pretty cool. You know, in a way, because you'll see Lakers, Warriors, Curry, LeBron showdown, and their team, and then Bucks, Nets, which will be really interesting because uh, Lakers, Warriors were in the playing tournament, and Bucks, Nets were in the conference finals. And if you guys don't remember how stressful that was for me, because I really wanted the Bucks to win. Like, I wanted the Bucks to win, but I don't know. I don't know. I was I really wanted the Bucks to win, right? Uh, no, no, I hate Mike Boomholzer. No, I really wanted the Nets to win. Yeah, I wanted the Nets to win. Never mind. Um, but that's gonna be really cool because now we're we're getting back some of that playoff rivalry. We're getting back some of that playoff contention for a championship. That happened during this past season in the 2020-21 NBA season. So that's set for October 19th, the league's official start date. So I am actually really pumped for that. It seems like ages ago, if you think about it, that we've that the draft occurred. That uh, say Cunningham and Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, uh, Scotty Barnes, everyone else got drafted. Right? That is. It just seems like forever ago. And I know it happened, like, last month, I think. So, I don't, I don't know. It's just so crazy. But, yeah. I, I I just don't know where everything goes. Then NBA free agency seems like forever ago. I'm not even exaggerating. It just seems like forever ago. And it's just crazy to think about how fast time actually moves. But, yeah. Moving on to our final piece of breaking news. 
This one is not really surprising, but this is still a player on the free agency hunt. But he's not too uh, panicking for a team. He seems like J.J. Reddick's plan. So, J.J. Reddick is in no hurry to sign with a team as he plans to... I'm sorry, excuse me. As he plans to skip training camp and sign for team during the season to give him a push. And it's really not uncommon for players his age to skip training camp. Right? If they opt out because A, they're getting older. And B, why they need to go to training camp unless they really want to be there. Because, all honestly, there's really no added value by him going to training camp. It's mainly for the younger guys, right? And the guys that really do need it. But he wants to be there for that season, mid-season, late-season push to the playoffs. And he's hoping to get a good team. He's hoping to be adding that added value, whatever he can add to a team as a spot shooter, as a three-point shooter, to say, you know what, I still have gas left in the tank. I still can go for another season. And he's trying to chase a ring, which I don't blame him. Just join the Lakers, if crying out loud, or the Nets, or whomever, or the Bucks. They won a championship. That small market team was able to win a championship. But yeah, so he's in no hurry. He's going to take his time. And I don't blame him. There's no rush. He's proven, so he doesn't prove himself to a team. He just has to get a team willing to assign him. And I'm pretty sure we're going to see hear something after training camp, or maybe a day uh, before training camp ends. But I said, that's my feeling on it. I said we're going to see like two to three weeks before we actually get a real signing on him. But yeah, that's my feelings on it. Because how how old is JJ, right? He's like 36, 37. I'm looking up right now. He's 37 years old. So yeah, he's been in the league since 2004. So if he plays this season, that'll be for his 15th year. How crazy is that? If you really do think about it, he's played 940 total NBA games. Think about it. That's pretty crazy. Because he got traded from the Pelicans to the Mavericks, finished out the last 13 games, went to the postseason, got booted, and now he's on the search again. But yeah, it, it's really interesting if you if we all break it down his career because... His career high is 18 points, which happened in 2018. His career high field goal percentage happened back in 2017, uh, 2015, with 48%. But yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. But yeah, so that's J.J. Reich's plan. Nothing too crafty with it. He's just going to enjoy his... Or, um, his relaxation, his rehab from the condensed season, and just trying to get back to 100% body health as all the NBA players are trying to do that before it starts again in three months. But yeah, that is that. And without further ado, let's get to the main topic, the topic we all been waiting for, or at least I've been waiting for, and that is what did the offseason teach us about these two teams? Who are the two teams? It is the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics. You may say to yourself, what did the Cavaliers do 
besides trading Tarian Prince and Jared Allen. There's more significance behind their re-signings, signings, and trades. And, of course, we're going to be excluding the draft. But then also for the Celtics, there's a lot of added value and a lot of things that need to be talked about, about both teams, but also for the majority of time for the Celtics. So without further ado, let's go break down the Boston Celtics. Um, like I said, we're not going to be talking about the draft, but we're going to talk about who re-signed, who signed, and who left and or got traded. So real quick, um, Boston Celtics. Did no one re-sign with the Boston Celtics and no one was given an extension? So... Who was in? And these were all free agents or trades. So they got Al Horford, Josh Richardson. Uh, oh, oh, my list gone. Oh, sorry. Dennis Schroeder, Chris Dunn, Enes Kantar, Bruno Fernando. Oh, uh, who won? Juwan Bernan. I botched his name. I apologize. And then Sam Hodger. So now. Those are the end guys. And let me say this. Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Chris Dunn, and Dennis Schroeder, and Ennis Kantar. Majority of their list for the guys that signed with them or got traded is spot on. Josh Richardson it was not highlighted enough with his time with the Dallas Mavericks. Al Horford was not as good with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. But I believe he's going to add some value to that franchise. I truly do. And you go down to Dennis Schroeder. He fumbled what people call fumbling the bag. Losing all of that money to bad business decisions. But he's still a good backup point guard. He's not worth $100 million. To me, he's worth $60 million. They got him for $6 million. And look at this. They got a good backup point guard. And a point guard knows how to pass and shoot. And he has good awareness. And then when you go down to Enes Kantar, that is a good center. He's a good big man. He's a great body because right now, um, I'm pulling with the Celtics right now because they have the developing, but after looking at everything else, because they have the developing star of Robert Williams as center. So when I'm looking at this roster and everything, Robert Williams is still trying to develop. He's only 24 years old. He was drafted late in the first round of the 2018 draft. He averaged 8 points per game. Career-high numbers. Then when we go down to Enes Kantar, this is not bad. He averaged 11 points per game and 11 rebounds. To me, he gave a great Portland. A great Portland, um, was it, uh, debut. A great season for Portland in that position. But also, don't be shocked. He was with the Boston Celtics back in 2019, if anybody remembers. And he averaged only 8 points and 7 rebounds. Besides his first two years with the Utah Jazz and the Boston Celtics then, back in 2019, that's the only time he was below 10 points. But I believe, and that's not a negative, but here's the thing. I actually believe he could be a starting center. Or at least splitting the starting minutes with Robert Williams, having a nice, having that nice transition with both guys, or one guys, or both guys can put on the court. Mainly one guy just keeps switching in and out. To me, that would be something. I think that would actually be really good. 
So never underestimate that. Never underestimate that. And then Chris Dunn, he got traded. And again, we I believe we talked about Chris Dunn before. Chris Dunn, um, he averaged a point per game. The Celtics are still looking to trade him. They're not too confident in him. They don't need all that position. So that's not good. But I was just threw him in a mix because and it's just in our body, right? Now, this is the out. This is everyone that just left the organization, the Boston franchise. And that would be Sammy Ojeana. Oh, sorry, I can't pronounce her last name. Tristan Thompson. And trade Evan Fournay. And then Kemba Walker. This is a tough one. But what did the offseason teach us? What did the offseason teach us about this team? Through the free agency period? Through the trades, through the signings, no re-signings, no extensions were given. But here's the thing. You know what? Kemba Walker is a good player when not healthy. And with the Boston Celtics, he just cost the team in injuries. Um, with COVID, can't control that. But with his knee injuries, his, his knee injuries were a big one. This season in the NBA bubble, and it's always cost them post Hornets, uh, Charlotte Hornets organization. That's just a fact, and I'm uh, I'm okay with the um, what do you call them? with the Celtics losing Kemba Walker. Why? Because I actually believe the Hornets are okay. I mean, I'm sorry, and Celtics are okay without Kemba because they still have Jalen Brown. They still got Marcus Smart. They added Al Horford. They add, they added. Dan Schroeder. So they fulfilled that. They don't need Kemba Walker. It would have been nice if he was healthy more. But he just was never healthy. He made Aaron, He made Gordon Hayward look like a, like a healthy person out there. When Kemba was dealing with his knee injuries. And that says a lot. And then when you have Evan Fournier. Evan Fournier was good. But I believe they made the right decision by trading... By trading to get Evan Fournier with only two, trading two uh, second rounders for Evan Fournier when he was with the Orlando Magic. But I think that was just like one of those things. Can we get the added talent? Great. But I think he's going to be more helpful with the Knicks. Evan Fournier is not bad, but also plays with injuries. Um, Tristan Thompson. The only thing he was really known for was being a big body and someone that hung around with the uh, Kardashians all the time. That's pretty much it. He pretty much had spent more time with the Kardashians than he actually did with the Boston Celtics. If you really just think about it. If you really just think about it. I see he's made more headlines with the Kardashians than he actually did it with his playing career. Yeah, so losing Tristan Thompson, who cares? He was worthless to that organization, in my opinion. Because now you have Robert Williams and Ennis Cantar. And Robert Williams is not a big name. I don't believe he'll ever be a big name. But he's a body. He's developing center that could be taking our Ennis Cantar wing by a veteran to help improve him. Because Ennis Cantar can also be that physical guy. And can also be that blocker to the paint. To be that rim protector, right? So when I'm looking at this, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Ennis Cantor, and Dennis Schroeder are all guys, all guys 
that they succeeded with. And here's my thing. I believe the Celtics can be back into the postseason next season. If no one's injured, if everyone's healthy, uh, sickness and all, flu and all, uh, injuries and all, knees and all, whatever you want to put in there, I believe, and I actually believe, I'm going to pull up, I'm going to do star and five real quick. Jason Tam, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, uh, Al Horford, and Ennis Cantor. I believe that is their starting five. I believe that would be the best starting five they would have in these past few seasons. Because Jason Tam is a good scorer. He's a great scorer. He knows how to finish. He knows how to rise up and hit buckets, especially in the clutch. Jalen Jalen um, Brown put up some really good numbers, career high numbers, um this see um this past season. He averaged twenty four points a game in fifty eight games. That's great. That that's what we need more of. So Jason Jalen Brown's locked in. So is Marcus Smart, great passer. That's why they gave him the starting money. So they gave him the stars money. That's why they're making them have allowed them have thirteen million dollars per year. For four years, ten million, thirty-eight million dollars, seventy-seven million dollars. Uh, that's no mistake. They say they see something great in Mark Smart. He's developing. He's transitioning into that good center. I'm not sorry, center pa- uh, point guard that they really do need. And then of course you have Dennis Schroeder backing you up and Pam Pritchard. And then Al Horford. He's not bad either. He sure got a lot of paydays before, but he's. Averaged 14 points for OKC, but he was also with Boston from 2016 to 2018. And he averaged between 12 to 14 points per game in his entire span. I'm sorry, 13 points per game in his entire span with the Boston Celtics. And around seven, around seven rebounds per game and four assists per game. That is huge. That is really huge. So there's familiar faces back within this organization. So when you're adding the likes of Al Horford back and then Ennis Kantar, I'm telling you, this is going to be a scary team. And then you got Jabbar Parker. He's not the best. But looking at it, uh, he's bad. He's not a great puck. He's he's really bad. He was never a second round. I'm sorry, he's not a second overall pick in a 2014 NBA draft. But he gives you a body. He's a power forward. We can manage with that, right? And then Nesmith, Edwards, Williams, um, all these different guys. But looking at the core five, the core starting five, whether you want to swap out uh, Cantor for Williams or uh, Williams for Antar, uh, Cantor, either way, either way, that's a solid starting five and could be a dominant seventh seed starting five. I would project that team being the eighth seed with injuries. Without injuries, the seventh seed. So basically what I'm meaning meaning here, eighth seed, playing tournament. Seventh seed, actual playoffs. That to me is something really significant when broken all down. That's why there's pros and cons to playing tournament. Or you don't want to be an eighth seed because you have to go to long distance. Or where originally eighth seed meant you were in the playoffs. AFC now means you're in the playing tournament. You got to fight a game or two for, um, for a playoff spot. Seventh seed, you're gold. First seventh, you're gold. But I honestly do believe the Boston Celtics 
will be in the seventh seed because they've added more players. And when you break it all down, one was a bust, hung out with Kardashians more. One was Kemba Walker. One, he was dealing with a lot of injuries, good player, but he got inconsistent at times because of injuries. And injuries and COVID killed him. And that just does not help a man's career. It just does not. And then when you break down everyone else, Evan Fournay, I think it was a good time to departure. Evan Fournay's good, but I think, I, I just don't know. I just don't think he was good for the Boston Celtics. That's why uh, the Celtics sent uh, two, uh, two second rounders to the Orlando Magic for Fournay, right? So it's like one of those things, like, you can have the best season, but he only played 16 games for Boston and averaged 13 points, three rebounds and free assists after being traded. So it was like, okay, then you had to win the uh, uh, COVID protocols, and yeah, then you just saw injuries, and yeah, yeah, blah, 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 right? But to me, to me, truly, Celtics. Celtics can be a top seventh seed. They're going to be that solid seventh, if healthy. Now, if Tremendously healthy. Jalen Brown's averaging 20 points a game. Um, you see uh, Jason Town going for 25 points a game. You're seeing all these different guys going for these high amount of points a game that really impacting a team correctly. Oh, I think they could be a fifth or sixth seed. I really do believe that, but it all comes down to his new head coach. But it's not like Brad Stevens gone. He's still in that front office. So we can help that existing head coach. He can help him out and say, you know what, this is what we have to do. And that's it. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to bet money on this because anytime I bet something, I always lose. Like, I'm really for sure on this, I'm going to lose. But I am positive. I'm confident in the Celtics' moves. And it's very, very interesting. It's very dominant in their way. They knew who they were getting and why. It's not because they were just throwing out players based on a one experience, one year experience from them. No, I think it was good to move off from Chelsea Thompson. I think it was good to move off of Campbell Walker due to injuries. It was just good. And I think it really allowed these Celtics to look at all their options and get the bang for their buck. They got a steal on that insured $6 million because for a backup point guard, a proven backup point guard, that's not bad. Yeah, I truly do believe this is going to be a good team. Like, all joking aside, all seriousness, I think they're going to be a good team. Now, moving on to our second and final team. This is a team that maybe should not be taken under the radar. But I think they are going to be taken under the radar, which I do believe now. Because they're the worst team, one of the worst teams in the NBA, right? That... They made some good moves. I don't think they did anything wrong to the point where people would be bashing them, but I think people are going on them go under the radar, and I think they could be a top 10 seed. I think to make the playing tournament, they become the 10th seed. They, they improved by five seeds. So I just want to pull up their uh, standing real quick, their record. Uh, they were the 14th seed. They were 22 and 50. The Magic were 21 and 51, and of course, the Pistons were 20 and 52. So, with that being said, let's say the Cavaliers can improve their game by 11 
If they can do that, I mean, if they could do by by eleven, they would have been they would have been at the tenth seed. So, if you make it to tenth seed, you make it to the playing tournament, which is a part chance, which is a huge improvement, which is something that would possibly impact your team without a shadow of doubt, right? Because, oh, come see, that would have meant nothing two years ago, five years ago, right? Because there's no playing tournament, but now you got a playing tournament, you got a shot for the playoffs. You just got to work even longer and harder. But you now have something. Now, are you ready? The Cavaliers traded and signed someone that is truly amazing. Are you ready? They signed Ricky Rubio, and then they re-signed the, um, Jared Allen. And we're going to do a draft for this because Evan Mobley is a huge part to this. Evan Mobley. That's the only draft consideration I'm going to give. Um, Evan Mobley. But then they lost Taurine Prince and Matthew Del Vandova. Um, uh, Matthew Del, uh, Del... Matthew, I'm just going to call him Matthew because I can't pronounce his last name. He's good, but um, he's really hyped up to a point where I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. He's just, to me, no, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't get, I, I can't get into him. I can't get into him. Why? I guess he's only 30 years old, but he only averaged two points per game last season. With Cleveland, first year in Cleveland was seven points. He's only averaged five points a game and 20 minutes. He's a bust. So get rid of him because he, he's a bust. I'm sorry. But, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just I can't do it. I just can't do it because he, he's been in the league for eight years. I get it. But he's only averaged five points in his career. His career high is like seven points. So losing it was not bad. Tar and Prince is going to go either way. Tar and Prince could go either way. They were going to get rid of him. Why? Because they needed the cap space and they could not just utilize him anymore. Both sides were going to depart. He averaged 10 points a game. However, I'm not upset with that. I'm not upset with that. You want to know why? They, have, they re-signed Jared Allen. He averaged 13 points and 10 rebounds and almost 2 assists per game while averaging 60% from the field in 51 games. I like that, and he's only coming into his um, coming into his fourth year, and the man's only twenty three years old, so he's young, and he has some experience on him, on him. He has some experience. So wait a minute, what does this all mean? Just by analyzing those two things first, Matthew Maldova, bust. Uh, Tarin Prince, I'm okay losing because you stubbed your out. You got Jared Allen. But, uh, I don't know. And I could be critical of guys before, but here's the thing. Let's let's be very clear here. They didn't lose anybody significant. Who did they lose significant? No one. So they didn't lose anybody significant. I, I um, Matthew, not significant when you're averaging a point per game for the Cavaliers last season. Uh, Tarin Prince. He was a good center. Don't he was a, a decent center, decent a good center. However, however, and I mean this, he's not a starting center. He's a backup center. That's not what they need. 
However, they got Jared Allen to have a five-year, $100 million contract. And let me tell you this. They're making him the starter. They're not starting Evan Mobley. But can I tell you something? I would have Jared Allen over Tarn Prince because I believe that Evan Mobley will be able to experience more from Jared Allen, from his successes and failures, from all the times he makes mistakes and how he corrects them. And I also believe Evan Mobley will have a more powerful voice um, in the locker room with Jared Allen. Because here's the thing. Jared Allen can play. He's 24 years old, and he's with the Cavaliers. Look, the Cavaliers have not been good since LeBron left. However, however, they're building back strength. Then you add Ricky Rubio, their point guard. Colin Sexton doesn't have to be a point guard anymore. Why? He could be a shooting guard. He, to me, I never liked Colin Sexton as a point guard. He was always meant to be a shooting guard. He's a point guard shooting guard, but I consider him more of a shooting guard. Darius Garland, Darius Garland uh, who was drafted with the fifth overall pick in the 2019 draft, he had, he had career high numbers in the second season. He would be he would have been the case for most improved player. He was better in assists, rebounds, field goal percentage, and points per game minutes. Um, but here's the thing: Darius Garland is not a bad player. However, by getting Ricky Rubio, that is experience. That is experience. That is a valuable experience to say, you know what, Garlander, Garland, I know what you need. You need to know how to control that ball better, how to see the court better, how to make better decisions in split seconds, how to read defenses, how to read a team, how to read your player's body language better to see if they want the ball, if it's going to be a good point, or if they're just gassed, or if they're ready to go. And you take him for all these different places, and you improve on him, like Chris Paul did with Karen Payne, with a veteran point guard to a struggling good point guard, if that makes sense. To a young point guard, probably the better word. So, when taking that, if Ricky Rubio in the contract or how many years he's staying with the uh, Cavaliers can help out. Darius Garland as a backup point guard transition to starter like minutes and help when Ricky Rubio can't go um, after his entire men's are up or when he needs to take a break. That is huge. And I know people aren't talking about Darius Garland. I know people aren't going to take him seriously. However, with the veteran presence of Ricky Rubio, that is going to be something. I don't know if Garland's going to be a backup. I don't know if Rubio's going to be a backup. All I know is either man can be a starter. But with this being said, Ricky Rubio is the obvious winner because he gets to help a younger guy out and he's able to be with a team but not have... He's able to help a young guy out, which is perfect. Which is perfect for him. He has to finish out his contract and say, you know what? This is where we are in my career. Let's do it. I want to be that veteran presence. And I believe that's who he is because Ricky Rubio has many valuable lessons to teach Darius Garland because he's such a because he's such a developing point guard. And he can be molded in such a way to say, you know what? And this is what we have to do. This is what we have to do to get you better. And it'll be X, X, and Y, right? Whatever. X, Y, and Z. What can we do? 
And when you're breaking down the entire thing, you couldn't even have there's Garland and Ricky Rubio, one of those two guys, Colin Sexton, Evan Mobley, um, Jared Allen, then you have Kevin Love, CD Osman, and um, and everyone else. Kevin Love to me should no longer be on the Cleveland Cavaliers. They tried getting him away. Um, they tried to get him away because they say he's getting older. Injuries have certainly killed him. This is one of his worst seasons by far. This is his second first works second worst seasons NBA career. Twelve points. His field goal percentage that's all time low. Rebounds per game that's all time low. Assists per game and eh, that stays consistent. Minutes per game uh went down that's an all time low. Games played was an all time low. No, well injuries that's his third season. Where he played under 25 games. He's only played one good season. I was in 2008. Never really been healthy. To me, I would get rid of Kevin Love. But it's going to work. Because I would never trust City Osman, right? But wait a minute. You have Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, Jared Allen, Garland, and Rubio. Come on. Just those guys alone are good. I like that. They're a sneaky good team. They're a sneaky good team with talent. I'm not just saying that to say. If you really do break it down, the Cavaliers, Cleveland Cavaliers, could be a time seed because it's all about developing, molding, and shaping Evan Mobley when he gets muscle, a man body, not just being a uh, stick figure. And I, I don't mean that with disrespect, but... When you see a majority of those guys in this year's NBA draft, it's like, oh, they're not that muscular. Because you can't defend Giannis and Bede and different guys like LeBron, AD, different guys like that who has muscle, who has man strength, who's ready to kill someone in the core if they had to just with their muscles. That's a different game. It's just not like college. But is that a negative? No. It's a development. It's a developing positive. And that's something that every college person has to go for, every college player. And it's not it's not it's not a negative unless for five years from now Evan Mobile is like, yeah, this is this is not working out. Yeah, this is not gonna happen. I'm getting bullied everywhere. But this is looking like a good sign. They got veteran presence. They were able to re-sign their starting center. They're able to keep him happy. Colin Sexton now doesn't have to play point guard all the time. To the point where he just play a traditional shooting guard. And he can let Ricky Rubio handle Darius Garland. Garland can flourish more. I'm just saying. These things are set. These are not the biggest names in the world. This is a small market team that's got no love and more hate than anything. However, they're growing. They're growing in their painful moments. And pain will be coming a new a team. Will become a new reborn team. A born-again team, right? I, I, I truly do believe that because I also believe this. The Cavaliers went all out in this. I would give them a solid A, A+. Plus. If I had to give them a grade, why? Matthew Delvendova is a bust. 1.5 points per game is career. Tarn Prince. Look, it was going to happen. 
but it's not bad. But then you traded for Ricky Rubio and you got Evan Mobley in a draft? Come on. You can't ask for a better thing than that. I would actually rank the Cavaliers better than the Celtics by their by all of their outs. By the guys, last guys that had outs. The, the Celtics are going to make pause and be a better team in the headlines. And better teams probably statistically with the records too. However... This is a great development for the Cavaliers. And if it's once that I was taught by the Cleveland Cavaliers, they made sure they had their priorities set and they're able to fill out each and every position correctly. And they're able to get veteran presence and they were able to get a good center in the draft, a great center in the draft and compared to other centers. And they were able to get away bust and they were able to trade guys for the assets and they are able to keep their starting center happy. To me, this is going to be a 10th overall seat. They're going to be in the playing tournament. I definitely believe that. I 100% believe that. Why? Because I 100% believe this. The Cavaliers are no longer the 26 Cavaliers, 2016 Cavaliers. They have went through many pains. But with everything going on, I believe the front office has made some of the best moves post LeBron and Kyrie. I seen her continue making that until they can perfect this team again. Because they're going to get back. They're getting the right pieces. They have Colin Sexton. They have Garland. They got Rubio. They have Allen. They have all these different guys. And they can all mesh together. And they can... Because they're depicting each position. Looking at each position and trying to fill the best they can. And they're doing it with older guys and newer guys. And younger guys. And, and just different guys like that. And they're just all meshing together. It's working out beautifully. There's good names on there, and we should not put the Cavaliers um, in shame for this. We could actually put them in the middle on the radar or above the radar as a playing tournament team, not a eighth seed or seventh seed team that's really going to go to the playoffs, but a tenth seed team that's trying to have new hope for their season, or at least, or at least like the Pelicans, like where to get close to the playing tournament, but they can't. But at least they're getting a good mindset of what victory feels like. If you just get out of the out of the 11th seed, 12th seed, 13th seed, 14th seed, 15th seed, to me, that's a win. If you get to the 10th seed, 9th seed, that'd be a victory. That calls for a victory celebration. That tells me you're doing your job right. And you could be like, who does your job right when you're at 10th seed? But when you went all in for LeBron, Kyrie, Kyle, of all these different guys um, for 2016 championship, now you have to try to get out of that hole six years, five years later, almost six years later. That's pretty insane. And that's something you really want to keep an eye on. That's incredible. That That's really astonishing if you think about it. That they were able to battle back after this in a small market team where no one wants to play at. They're drafting the right guys. They're signing the right guys. They may have to give a little extra money, but they're trading for the right guys and they're making smart moves. And to me, if I had to give a grade or a number, grade would be an A and to an A+, and the number would be a 9 to a 10. Truly, that's how I feel. And I believe that the that the Cavaliers have taught us something in that in this free agency that even small market teams can get better through signings, through trades, through anything, through the draft. 
because Jared Allen is seeing it beyond the money. Because if he didn't really want to play with the Cavaliers for five more years, let's say he honors his entire contract, that's significant if he honors it. Let's say Ricky Rubio, because Rubio could have just held out. He's like, nope, I'm not doing this. Evan Mobley could just be like, great. But he's get, everyone's giving it a shot. And I believe that the way they strategize this entire phrase, this entire offseason, that is something to behold. That's something to see in its entirety because I think it's really, really good. And I hope this all makes sense because to me, the Cavaliers strategized perfectly and they got their bang for the buck and they were able to stay within the guidelines of what they wanted to be in. And to me, I think they got the right pieces. Not to be a contender deep into the playoffs, but a playing tournament team. I believe they have playoff contention in sight. I believe they're ready to be back into playoff contention. I believe that starts with the NBA's play and tournament. And with all that being said, that is the last thing on my list. That is the last thing that I wanted and needed to cover. We've talked about everything. We've went through social media. We've went through the 76ers problems um, and solutions potentially. We've went through the Celtics breaking news. We've went through the Dallas Mavericks and they're cool. We went through Christmas Day stuff. We went through everything and this is really, really cool. But what did the offseason teach us about the Cavaliers? They, a small market team. Uh, was able to land some good names and able to strategize right away. And the Celtics are looking a lot better. And if injuries don't get in the way, look out. Here comes the Boston Celtics. And I believe the Celtics can be uh, within the between the seventh to eighth seed, and for the Cavaliers, tenth seed at um, at best ninth seed, which will be a huge improvement by records and just by team performance. So I am really excited. I'm pumped up for the season. I'll see you guys again here on Wednesday as we'll be covering everything as we'll go through another two teams. We'll keep breaking it down. We'll keep podcasts about everything that we can possibly imaginable. But yeah, this is going to be really exciting and I just cannot wait. Again, Find us on CourtsideHeat.com. All of our links will be down there below for the exclusive art, uh, exclusive memberships. Uh, we have different ones. We have uh, highlight reels, highlight articles, uh, not articles, highlight videos. That was the right word, videos. Highlight videos on different players, teams, just really cool moments, times in history. That's all exclusive. It comes out once in every week for like a buck per month, which is amazing. And we just we just take it from there. We'll have our spread shirt, our spread shop, one of two names, uh, clothing, uh, link down below. I don't know why it was so hard to try to remember, but yeah, we'll have that below. We're coming out with really cool designs, really cool t-shirts. Get our Dan Schroeder t-shirt. Get our Team USA t-shirt. I mean, uh, yeah, t-shirt and baseball hat. Get everything. It's all in stock. Don't forget it because you will never regret it. It will be really cool. I've seen the design of it and it's really amazing. So yeah, with all of that being said, you can find us at courtsayheat.com, courtsayheat.medium.com. 
Twitter.com slash CortesAhe, Instagram.com slash CortesAnBA, Facebook.com slash CortesAhe, Tumblr.com slash CortesAhe. Remember, you can always just search us at Google.com, CortesAhe, that's one word, CortesAhe, and you'll be able to find everything. Remember to go to CortesAhe.store for our Macari store, or just go to Macari and type us in. We're always giving away good deals, giving away autographed stuff, clothing, from the NBA, cards from the 90s, 80s, 2000s, uh, 2010s, the present. We're going to be having this year's draft class cards come out within the next few weeks. And it's going to be very, very exciting. We have action figures, starting lineups. We have vintage Kobe stuff. We have vintage everything. And this is really cool. The holidays are coming up. For people that give their grandchildren, kids, or whatnot on Halloween, Thanksgiving, or even especially Christmas, the times are coming, and we're going to be preparing huge for the store. Don't uh, don't forget, we have promo codes coming out within the next week, and we're just so excited. Seeing you guys for uh, listening in. We'll be back here tomorrow. Remember, um, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and even Google Podcasts. We are everywhere. Do not forget to like, subscribe, and rate us. That would be huge as we're always coming out with new podcast episodes. And yeah, that's it. That's it on Court of Heat's side. That's it on my side. And I'll see you guys on the next podcast episode. Oh boy, I wonder what I'm going to talk about tomorrow. I'm more about two teams I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. Well... I'll see you guys tomorrow morning.